Hi, I'm Sai. And I'm Christian. And this is episode 141 of Shades of Brown. Uh, this week, it's, it's, it's been a lot of hops this week. There's a lot of curling. There's a lot of curling through the topics for this show, honestly. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of topics. And well, actually, I think how, I think how it worked out, right? I think me, beginning of the week, we, a story came up and we we're like, ah, oh, yeah, we're going to talk about that. And then another one came up and we we're like, Jesus fuck, we have, there's too much going on. No, it's like, why, why does this two of them happen like in the same fucking week? Why can't, why don't y'all like separate these out into two weeks? But yeah, so let's like, there are a couple small things that uh, we want to touch upon before we start into like the the two major topics uh, from this week. Uh, the first one is Forza Horizon Three uh, is is getting end of life, right? Which we I think there's so this is one of the topics that we just wanted to bring up to say you should buy Forza Horizon Three because there's a huge conversation to be had about how like digital licensing and causing games to be end of life is a very odd topic in. Especially when there's nothing um, software-wise in the game that would stop it from working. So yeah, I think like mostly two things. One, this is bad. It's a bad practice. Um, just rip out the music, you cowards. And two, get Forza Horizon Three if you haven't, because it's really good. And the Lego, or, I mean the um, Hot Wheels DLC, is the best DLC in any racing game ever. Don't at me. It's it's very good. Yeah, I'm like I'm like yeah. This is this is this is really strange to me because. I like Forza Horizon 3 is how I got into Forza Horizon and it's like Forza Horizon 3 is very good. Uh and it's just like so weird to see these licensing like music licenses like I they really should just stop. It's also sad too because this is a you can't buy. So you can't buy the first Forza Horizon. I don't think you can buy Forza Horizon 2 for this exact same reason. Like the 360 ones cuz they'll run. I have them on my console right through backwards compat. They're actually supported to run on modern consoles, right? So you know, if you if you have a disc for it, you can still play it, but you can't buy them digitally anymore because music license expired. Or I guess in the case of Forza Horizon 3, maybe the Porsche license expired too. Um probably not but like because porsche cars are in uh, forza horizon 4 as well like but I, they probably license them per game i would imagine because it might be cheaper either way it's still like they could just re- yeah it's, it's still not a great situation and it's bad for like video game archival like as a medium right like it's, it's, it's a whole topic by itself but yeah so forza horizon 3 if you like racing games i think it's worth getting it like it's available especially it's a good on, pc uh, port too right i think they fixed the pc issues it's a pc version is they fixed it it was problematic uh in the, in the first couple first like bit like it was pretty problematic it had a lot of performance issues especially in some areas um but but they did fix the pc version and it is it is a solid solid pc version so so it's, it's worth a shot uh it's, it's a lot of fun uh recommend it uh, the second, the second thing that I wanted to mention, this one, this one was, this one was like so weird. Um, so Amazon, uh, sent an email to the contact at two shades of brown.com email address with, with basically a message saying that, Hey, we're, we're going to be launching Amazon. Uh, like we're going to be putting podcasts on, on Amazon music slash audible soon. So if you want to, if you want to have your podcast, then you should, you should, you know, submit it and et cetera. You submit your feed and et cetera, et cetera. Right. Just, just that thing. And then, but the thing is, this is, this is where it gets whacked. So first things the, like the first paragraph, it's like, please note that this information is confidential. And I'm like, wait a minute. How is this confidential? You sent me this email unprompted to a public contact address, right? Like, this is not some sort of contract, right? There's no NDA involved. Like, how, like, what did you, like, why is that sentence there? Like, I, I don't understand this. Did you, like, forget to remove it? Is it from a different email that you forgot, forgot to clean up? Like, I, I, I don't understand why is this. But then, and then the second thing, when you, when you like click on, there's a link there. When you click on the link on, link in the email, it takes you to this, uh, to this form where you like, uh, put in the, put in the URL to your feed and you put a, put in the title and like, and then, then there's, uh, a content license agreement that you have to agree to, to put your, put, put the podcast, you put, put your podcast in uh, the directory. Um, and, and then the, one of the, one of the clauses is, is a content, uh, content restrictions clause, which the first subsection, it says your content may not A, include advertising or messages that disparage or are directed against Amazon or any service. First of all, excuse me? Why, why is there a non-disparagement clause in your, in your license agreement for, uh, for a podcast directory? Like that, that's, that's doesn't make any sense. Like, 
Also, if I had more time to edit the show, I would now slice in a fun montage of all the times we told Jeff Bezos to go fuck himself. Wait, have we? If we haven't, please allow me to reiterate, Jeff Bezos, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I don't I don't think we have really, but like yeah, yeah like fuck, fuck off like that's just unacceptable like like how is that a thing like if like like you is i hope that's a mistake that somebody just forgot to like change the agreement to not remove the non-disparagement bit but like really you putting this out there like expect me to agree to it like no like i no, just i'm not i'm not like shades of brown is not it's not gonna be on amazon music slash audible well i mean i mean actually we're, we're pro union so we wouldn't be able to be on amazon anything to begin with <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's true that's true bro we can't we can't we can't be on there it'd be extremely disparaging to amazon to have our podcast on there, however right? um just to put this out there if you work at an amazon warehouse and you're trying to unionize and you need someone to edit some audio for whatever reason hit me up you know contact twoshadesofbrown.com go ahead and say you're unionizing you know we'll, we'll put we'll well i don't know what i can do exactly but i support you <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's but yeah this is just whack this is just like down this is just like not like what are you doing amazon just to to quote to quote lil wayne that ain't really cash money of you bro yeah it's 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 really not so so if you if you want to look sorry you can't tell alexa to play our podcast well actually Uh, you can if using the apple podcast integration yeah oh oh okay i mean but you can't play play it from amazon music slash audible so so you know just Please get a better podcast app. Just, just say it. And now, and before we get to the next topic, let's go to our podcast sponsor, Audible. <laughs> <laughs> God, imagine, imagine though, like imagine if you had a, if you had sponsors and one of those. Was if Audible, you um like, for for our sponsor link for Audible, please go to libgen.rr.uu or whatever the link is for that pirated book site. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's let's get into uh, some more s- very serious topics. Like right? uh, both of these are like serious. Uh, the first one is actually like sad and serious. Uh, so Mozilla this week uh, re- released a blog post. Uh, they titled it "Changing World, Changing Mozilla," which is uh, a very uh, euphemistic way of saying that they fired two hundred and fifty people. Uh, laid off is a term they would use, but I. Hired. It's it's not the same shit, really. Or or I'm honestly shocked they didn't use it. They sunsetted those employees. Oh fuck! Oh, if they, like if they did that, I would actually be like fuck off, like legit. Uh, so yeah, so Mozilla, uh, Mozilla did release this blog post. They were like basically that that they what uh basically their 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 revenue isn't isn't kind of like a bad spot. Like they they're not making enough. Like their finances are in a bad shape, uh, and that they need to cut these, cut 250 people over here. Uh, and that means that they, they their, their, their office in, uh, Taipei, Taiwan, uh, is, is closed. It's gone. Um, and there will be like significant reductions in like, uh, in the US, Canada, Europe, Australia, and, New Zealand, right? And 60 people will be uh, reassigned to different teams. So it's like they are reorganizing the, like the, the org in, in that way. And they are saying that they are going to reduce investment in some areas such as uh, developer tools, internal tooling, platform, feature development, transitioning, and then they will transition like adjacent security and privacy products to our new products and operations team. So, how long before Firefox is just another uh, reskin of the uh, of the of the Chrome engine or whatever? I give it a year and a half. Like real, like real. This is so. This may you may remember a company called Opera, and granted, yeah. old Opera, <laughs> as pointed out to be on Mastodon, did do some weird stuff, like having a completely proprietary VPN that they would use in the in the name of speeding up your web. Yeah, of speeding up your website stuff. But Opera also was a genuinely innovative browser in terms of features and speed, right? Like the joke is Opera did it first because Opera literally did it first. They had a fucking IRC client in there like in the 90s, right? <laughs> <laughs> they had a mail client, they had IRC client in there, they had RSS feed. Uh, Opera was all, great. All shit, but yeah. ultimately what happened with browsers is, um, especially more so after Chrome became a thing, is that there's no money in it. So Opera ended up selling to some, I think some holding company out of China. And now Opera is 
I think doing proprietary payday lending schemes and using a Chromium wrapper for the browser. I know they have like a they have a gaming focused browser. Uh, yeah, it's Opera is not what it. It's a shell of its former self for real. Opera is just like just like barely there. It's like I like Vivaldi, right? Is the is the what they're calling? No, no, no. Vivaldi is like different. Vivaldi made by the same team who made old Opera, but it's still a Chromium wrapper. Uh, so there's new Opera, there's gaming Opera, and there's Vivaldi. But the the main reason I bring this up though is. When we look at sort of what Mozilla now has left, they they let go of the MDM team, a couple other of their developer teams, right? The Rust team, Servo, um, a couple of those teams are now no longer at Mozilla. So what we have left are the consumer-oriented ones, like the new Lockwise, Lock, whatever they call it, um, Firefox Password Manager, the VPN service as well. And ultimately, Mozilla is trying to do a consumer play to get money. But I think um, that that assumes that consumers like care about mozilla because how it works is you like people use firefox who are older because they used it back when internet explorer was bad and never switched to chrome right like if i had to take a shot in the dark that's probably why people who are still using firefox say who are not like you know tech nerds who understand the privacy stuff right but regular folk are just because back when ie6 was bad on their windows xp machine with that nice silver theme on their dell latitude they put firefox 3.0 3.1 yeah that's me that's me right there. That's me. I like Mozilla was like Mozilla Firefox uh, back. This was like at the three point X days, right? Three point five, right? Uh, I like like I was just like, oh man, this is so much better than you know Internet Explorer, right? And like it was that was why I started using Firefox initially, and that's uh, like that's sort of like carried on to like why I use Firefox now. It's because Firefox, like Mozilla has always. How I always had like sort of like a, a like a larger goal in mind, right? Like a larger sort of aspiration to be like a browser that respects, like that respects your privacy, that that uh, that follows web standards. You know, is an alternative to 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 like large browser vendors. Back then, it was Microsoft. Now it is Google, right? Uh, so like back then, back then it was like a like a Microsoft thing. Now it's like Google has taken over, right? Like it's, it's. And I think, I think the issue too, to a point about Mozilla before we move on, like the web ecosystem, just as a company is Mozilla and Red Hat, I actually think are a lot similar in terms of like what they go for, but the, in terms of building open source software, right? Even open source developer tools before this, right? And all of that. But the thing about Mozilla that Red Hat, that differs from Red Hat is that Red Hat was able to get money off of like business contracts, right? Like support contracts, enterprise customers. And Mozilla fumbled that bag never did anything to try and get like ie or like ie web apps to work well in firefox right to get the to get enterprise software no they never got the enterprise that mozilla was never like a company that could that like the mozilla okay so let's get some things like some facts here like mozilla corporation has for the last few years like for a while i guess uh gotten the vast majority of its revenue from search engine deals right from Google specifically and also Yandex, Yandex and Baidu, right? Uh, and actually they actually renewed, there was a recent article, the Google actually renewed their deal with Mozilla, which was supposed to expire in, in November 2020, right? Uh, but, but like who knows about the other deals? Like they have deals with Yandex and Baidu as well. Like that's the majority of the revenue. They're, they have been trying to pivot into consumer related like stuff they bought pocket right they bought they started uh like like pocket as a service right pocket provides some of that revenue like they they're trying to get into the vpn market right like they're trying to have uh what else are they trying to like they get into storage right or like stuff like that like they're they're trying to get into the services market and like it is a very hot market and it's already pretty saturated and already there are people who like firefox doesn't have enough mind share to make a dent in that market, I think. That's the problem, right? Like, they don't have enough mindshare, and they do- certainly don't have enough money to buy mindshare, right? Like, that's also the other... It's also, there. it's an established market, right? Like, what? Password managers, you got LastPass, and you have one password. And then if you're on open source, right, you're going to use, um like, what is it, key pass, whatever the open source option is? Yeah, there's, 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 like, password managers are a solved problem, basically, right? Like, there are established players in this market. There's LastPass, there is one password that's Bitwarden, right? 
uh, like Bitwarden is what I use. Like there, there are established players that they're very good at what they do. Like especially like Bitwarden, I think is is very very good. Uh, like it, like it's not a market that can really break. And even more so VPNs too, right? Because VPNs, it's like if anything, I would say uh, consumer VPNs are probably a fad that's going to go away, and people realize they don't actually help for your security. Yeah, they don't actually help them. So so Mozilla is already chasing uh, like a tail that that's already gone like it's it's just I, they're late to it and it's they're very late and it's just like i don't see a feature like a good feature for mozilla here like honestly how long how long can mozilla keep like how long will google keep renewing their their search uh like so at such a certain point somebody at google is going to be like hey why are we renewing this google's like mozilla's microchair is basically negligible like we can just there's there's not it's not enough worth for us to pay like mozilla this amount of uh, like uh, money every year for for this contract like what like what is like somebody at google is going to figure that out soon enough and then there's going to be one like big huge revenue so it's just fucking gone right like that's like how do you even begin to make that hole up, right? Like, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to stabilize here. They're trying to sort of, like, stop the bleeding, I guess. And, like, and just, like, try to, like, try to basically try to stay alive, right? Like, they're trying to, trying here basically to, in a, in a, in a, like, in a a market where increasingly that Google has, like, increasingly that Google's market share with Google Chrome has, exceeded firefox for a while and it is like firefox's market share has not it's been decreasing or saying like say that yeah and and i think the more important thing to talk about too is the fact that they're going for the consumer market and not the developer market right that's what's baffling because they let go all their developer teams so let's if we're going to talk about the worthiness of like the worth of what firefox had if i'm going to be this may uh, linux users I'm sorry, but the browser actually, Firefox, the browser is kind of not great. But what's great about Firefox and Mozilla are the developer tools in Firefox, the documentation for MDN and all of that. MDN, um, like the developer tools built into like when you go to like Firefox and you click on web developer and you click on like the tools section, right? Like all these different tools that are there and all the debugging tools, like, you know, like, um, remote debugging and like accessibility stuff and like web console debuggers and like network debuggers and inspectors and like all that shit back when uh there was there was it used to be a plugin called firebug right uh i think it used to be called firebug back in the day and they integrated all that shit into the browser right like that is the market like that is the thing that they should focus on but like to be honest is there a market there like is there the money making that's the problem right like is there money to be made like that's that's the actual well it's, the question is the question is do you make more money off of trying to peddle shitty consumer services or do you make more money off of trying to monetize developer tools and in my own opinion you could probably make more money trying to peddle developer tools and like get like corporate contracts and that and it's a more stable it's a more stable revenue stream probably right like if you have like if you if you can get if you can get web devs not and like big web dev firms to like start paying for specialized web developer tools, like I don't know, bro. Like that seems like a better revenue model than that's like the more like the Red Hat model than than what they're doing now, right? Like the more enterprise, more like more of the big money right there, right? Like that's that seems more stable long term. But honestly, what do I know? Like it's I don't know. It's they are they're pivoting to consumer stuff, and I really don't know if they have if they have the necessary products and the necessary like market sh- like necessary mind share to actually get some rev- like a stable revenue stream going with with these right like that's and yeah and these search deals are not going to sustain them for very longer if google, like if google pulls out so are going to the others are going to pull out too i think like yandex and baidu are not going to like stay there either uh like it's 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 not it's not looking good for for Mozilla to be honest, and that that actually makes me very sad because that just means that we are down to one browser engine, really. That's realistically two, but like one, right? Like Google Chrome, right? The, the Blink browser engine. Well, right? I mean, okay, so there there are two browser engines, and so far of you have on desktop computers. Google, you do the Chromium Blink engine, and then on iPhone specifically, not on Macs, right? Because I don't consider Safari a player on Mac, but on iPhone specifically, WebKit. Those are the only two that matter. Yep. WebKit and, and and Blink, right? And it's 
So now the web is in the hands of Google and Apple. Apple has proved hostile to the web for for a number of years, right? The, well, I think Apple's hostile to progressive web apps. Everything else is that Safari is still compliant. I think maybe yeah, Apple's neutral, right? Like on other things, that they're basically just like at a neutral state mostly, right? Uh, and with the web, uh, they're not like extremely progressive, but like they they sort of just stay the course with standards. But like Google is is out here doing stuff like AMP. They're doing out here doing stuff like it, they are dictating the future of the web. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. And it, Which, to be fair, I guess we someone will probably point out or correctly. So that's already been the case, right? Like, because ultimately. What defines the web is the W3C, where working groups go ahead and submit proposals. The proposals get approved. And, um, you know, the W3C is just full of a lot of people who probably are Google adjacent or have been at Google, right? Google, I work, directly work at Google, yes. Um, it's, it's, I mean, it has been directed like majority by Google for a while. If you look at the standards that come out, a lot of them have been championed by Google and were developed. Like, I think we should always remember, um, and you can look to prior episodes, I think of Shades Brown, where I talked about Chrome apps as a thing, right? Back when it was Google specific. If you look at that spec for the original Chrome apps, that's basically what PWAs are today, but just in a more standardized form. Literally that same implementation, the same working theory about having a manifest of a package file and all of that associated with it. That's all out of Google and all out of the Chrome apps initiative for Chrome OS. Yeah, so back Google has been like, Going full speed with that, like the Google participates in the in the in the standards development process to a great degree, and that that just basically means that we have, if Apple is not going to really get involved in the in the standards process, it just basically means that Google is is decorporating our our web. Uh, Which I guess we should I, we I, and there's a question I guess I have for you on this. I think we talked about it on um, off off show a while back, but so with other standards. There is one like implementation of it that gets modified and we normally don't have an issue with it, right? So like specifically what I mean by this is like for graphics, the open standard, right? I know Apple and Microsoft obviously have their own implementations, but it's Vulkan right now. And there's like a group that makes Vulkan and it's mostly implemented by companies, right? Like NVIDIA, AMD, Google, Microsoft, and Apple all have teams, right? Who are on like the Kronos group who would work towards what those standards are. Is it a horrible thing if the core implementation is done by a cursor from a basically corporate interest? If that's already been the case for everything but the web, I I think the I think the dis the sort of uh like sort of the dis the despair and the thing that comes here is the is from the original idea of what the web is supposed to be right like people envision people envision the web like the open web as sort of like a, a platform a sort of like a a tool for user freedom, right? Like if I'm going to borrow like a, fa- a f- like a false term, right? Like if it's a tool for user freedom, like the open web, like the, the the tools that are being designed should be designed for the good of the user and to provide users with with the best like web software experience possible, right? To access to access to software, access to open standards, interoperable standards, right? Access to uh, developer tools, access to uh, data, right? Stuff like that. Like the open web is supposed to be like this champion of, of good on the internet. But for, but for honestly, I don't know if the open web like really ever existed in real form. And some people are going to be like, Sadek, you're, you just, you don't, you don't know the history of the web. And I'm like, okay, when has the web been championed by somebody that's like not a corporate, like sponsor, right? Like that's, that's my question is when has the web, like this was the very early, like when Tim Berners Lee came up with the, with the World Wide Web, that was literally, I think the last time. That uh, like a uh, non corporate entity, like really was like the only person doing work on the web, right? The web has become corporate since it like corporations realized they could like it's something that they could use to their benefit. Like Netscape in the early days, right? Like that was a corporation. I'm pretty sure. Like I'm pretty sure that no Netscape was a company. Yeah, yeah. And then then with those, I mean, opera, fucking Egghead on Andreessen is from Netscape, right? Biggest Egghead of them all. Like, like you have Opera, then you had Microsoft come in with Internet Explorer, then Mozilla is still a Mozilla corporation while, while having ostensibly noble goals is still a for profit corporation as is being demonstrated right now. Like, as is being demonstrated by their, their management is that they want to, they want to, 
I guess that's really well. I, I think legally Mozilla is uh, still a nonprofit. If I I might be wrong, the on the foundation that. is, but the corporation isn't. Yeah, there's there's two separate entities. So that's that's another thing that well, I guess we should mention is there's two separate entities. There's the Mozilla Corporation and the Mozilla Foundation, right? Legally, they're, they're two separate entities. Right, the, the foundation is the is the I guess that would be the five hundred one c three, right? The the nonprofit. Uh, and like the Mozilla Corporation is the one that handles like development of Firefox, development of, uh, of these consumer services and like the one that makes the deals with, with Google and Yandex and Baidu with the, with the search stuff. Like it's, that's the, the Mozilla Corporation is a for-profit corporation, right? Uh, so. Ostensibly, we haven't had an open web release. If you, if you, if you use the definition of open web as be, not being run by corporations, I don't think we realistically ever, ever had an open web, right? But if you, if you see it from a different perspective, if you see it about like, if, if all of our, all of the browsers on the market are standards compliant and the standard is easy to implement by every web developer, then is that the open web? Like, is that like, what does the open web mean to you? And I think that is, that is the key anxiety here is like, I, I don't know if people, like what, what open web is a term that gets thrown about a lot. And I, I think people mean different things. Right when they say open web, uh, and it's a very sort of vague, the oh, vague, vague term, right? Like it's. it's not- Although, when was the last time you were able to make a web browser like from scratch? Like this is, <laughs> the, the question is here is <laughs> so let's say let's let's say if you were going to start a new web browser project today and implement all standards. Can you can you actually a two things one you can't get a widevine license not as a big company so good luck on the DRM stuff but besides that. There are so many fucking things you have to build. Please remember, you are not. If you build a new web browser today, as Microsoft learned trying to build Edge and as a UWP app from scratch, okay, where do you start at? Well, because of how the internet works and how websites are expected to function, you have to build a compatibility first for HTML1, HTML2, CSS1, CSS2, XHTML, right? You need to then create support for basic HTML5. And then you need to make sure that you work with various states of HTML5, right? You can't break compatibility with older sites by adding the new features. And to build a new web browser, especially one that, mind you, if you're looking at these technically standards compliant version of PWAs, that includes like device accelerometer stuff, like pulling out to specific sensors that in theory... Like WebAssembly and stuff like that, right? Actually... I would argue building a web browser is probably as complex as like building an OS from scratch yeah, nowadays. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I that's that's from a technical complex complexity perspective. A web like a web browser at this at this either current era is an extremely com- complex piece of software, like on on level with a complexity with the, like an operating system, right? Because it does a lot of things that operating systems do, like memory management, right? Like, it did, like, like a Firefox does, like Chrome does memory management. It has a task manager like your OS does, right? It is managing memory. It is, it is moving things out of memory into memory. It is, it is doing powers, power related management. It's doing, it's doing sound stuff. It's doing video stuff. It's doing, it's talking to the GPU because it needs to do uh, video, uh, like hardware acceleration. It's doing, like it's it's storing stuff to disk. It's 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 basically an operating system at this point, right? Like in, in in many ways, and and Chrome OS as we know is 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 just Chrome, and we're running on a Linux kernel. So it's like it's already an extremely like it's not. I don't know if anybody has the technical know how and also the resources, financial and otherwise, to start a new browser engine from scratch, and not just start it. Keep at it, right? Like keeping, keep doing it for a long term, long term project, right? Like that's the other thing. It's like, how long can you keep doing it? It's uh, and it's not profitable. You don't, you will not make money. No one, no one in the year of our Lord two thousand twenty will pay for a web browser. Yes, no, but nobody's, nobody's, nobody's buying web browsers, right? That's not, that's not a thing that you can do either. So it's like, what, what, what how do you make money, right? Either you're like, either it's like a charitable venture, in which case, like, who, who funds that like how where does the funding come from right like who is funding the charity like it's it's just it's not it's it's, it's just it's just that's the state web the web is in um uh, and i don't know if we can realistically get out of it without just throwing it all into trash but that's that's not really well i mean come on come on you know what we can do come on 2020 just go ahead and put your app in the native in, in, in the in the native app store right like fortnite's in the app stores so i mean just you know we could be like fortnite and just put our uh, stuff in the app fortnite's on a website for a reason you know why because 
It's outside of this web hell ecosystem where Fortnite you can you can use Epic in purchase. Oh wait, you can't. <laughs> All right, let's let's okay. Trans, let's transition into that topic. That's a great great segue. Uh, good job on the segue. That was very good. Um, I, try, I thank you. I also I, I needed to. We're at half an hour now, and we could go on for another. <laughs> yeah, we're 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 doing doing our our restrictions very very strictly this week. Uh, let's let's get into the second topic of our podcast this week uh epic games versus apple and epic games versus google realistically uh it's epic games versus both of them uh so what happened so what is the timeline here so can you can you just like lay out like the basic events uh, that happened transpired during the week so i i think a little bit of technical explanation about how this happened is in order for the fact of epic updated fortnite outside of an app update right and ultimately there's a couple ways you can do this um, because i know some people might not understand like how that may work so both android and google for games in particular allow you to have content updates that don't have to go to the app store specifically for um let's say you have to update shaders right you can and you instead of like resubmitting it if you're not changing features right there's rules on how when you can do it but say you're adding like um an updated shader pack, updated textures, anything like that, right? You normally are able to distribute that over the air without having to go through app review because it's not like a new feature. So they will allow you to do that. Or as well, you can also have it set up in the app store. If you download the base game, only 100 megs, right? Pieces of container. And then it streams in all the game data afterwards just to help with bandwidth management. Because you can say a user can be asked, right? Do you want the full download or do you only want like partial, like the specific worlds or specific parts of the game right so that's that feature makes sense that's why it's there however it can also be abused through what epic did which was they rolled an over-the-air update to fortnite um this week that added a direct payment option with at a lower price for v bucks they framed it as a discount right to to, to the to the like the screen that they had showed it as like if you use our payment method you get like a 20 percent discount right uh which which technically isn't incorrect misleading oh yeah, yeah. but incorrect <laughs> i mean no it is less money because nobody's going to apple or google so in theory there's a discount for someone it's probably epic but um and so what happened afterwards of course is given about a couple hours later apple kicked them out of the app store and then for uh, the uh, Fortnite account said there's a new event today where they parodied the 1984 ad showing Fortnite as the small guy and Apple as the you know aggressor in that 1984 ad. And then afterwards, uh, they dropped the PDF to a lawsuit against Apple. And at this point, at this point, Google for some god unknown reason. Because <laughs> honestly, if I was on the Play Store team at Google, I'd be like, hey. Let's just let's just let this slide. Let's just not say anything. Yeah, just 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 no. Instead, talk. instead though, they kicked Fortnite out of the Play Store, and then Epic sued Google as well. And now, there's an important couple things to note before we get to discussing the lawsuits. Right, we have like two parts. We have the actual lawsuits. We have some theoretical stuff. I think the theoretical stuff will might take the most amount of time. So I'm gonna put it up front so we can actually I can try to cut this short in case we go over and we we get to the actual lawsuit. So because the thing the this is the big drama that's been happening especially the antitrust hearings and more so if like game streaming services right and apple just being like not on our platform where xcloud cloud stadia geforce now and it's sort of like there are many competing ideas here that all hold specific amounts of validity right for like the idea that open app distribution is bad because it's a security hole is true to an extent of course but we have like 20 years of windows and people just like getting malware all the fucking time to be like yes that that holds truth there's another point right that closed app stores to to hurt um the diversity of your software ecosystems because the limits you can run your devices which is also true ios the example and then we have the third option or like another theory right where it's sort of like arbitrary payment methods online are actually kind of bad piece financial information can get more easily stolen the fact that paypal is so prevalent as a payment option also holds has this theory holding weight and we're sort of in a weird place right now where it's like okay so we have these phones where yes android you could sideload apps but google does everything in their fucking power to make it seem scary because it's specifically on android too people who sideload apps let's be kind of real it's usually sideloading like modded versions of gotcha games or like pirated versions of stuff and they end up getting malware from it, right? Like I know our audience, I know all y'all fuck with F-Droid. You know, none of your apps use the Google Play services. You don't need to go through the Play Store. Like I get it, but let's be real. 
sideloading apps on Android is mostly used for piracy and people get malware through there because someone puts in like some crypto miner in the leaked love live or the modded love live build you got to get more gotcha drops, right? Like that's the, the truth of it. And at the same time, the reason that payment methods specifically on, on for games are so strict are that people spending lots of people. I don't want to say addicted is the right term. I feel like that's that. Well, I don't know. Gotcha. It can be. It's like loot boxes, right? Jim Sterling talked about it. It can be a gambling. It can be an addiction, right? So I feel okay using the word addicting here. But addicting drops like that can bankrupt, make a lot of money and hurt people financially. And ultimately, Google and Apple make a fuck ton of services money off of people buying gotcha drops, right? Or loot boxes or whatever. So like, there's there are sliding levels of marginal shittiness on all of this. Oh yeah, a classic. That's that's another good reference. And so I'm gonna like get into like get first like first things. I think I think first topic I wanna you know is not even like directly about the lawsuit. It's about how Epic is framing this. Is Epic is framing themselves as the as the small uh like developer here who's being hurt by the big bad uh apple and big bad google which is which is and if you don't know is not the case epic games is not a small company it is in fact uh, a company worth billions right it is in fact a company that makes just prints money from fortnite literally prints money because they you literally buy v bucks which is which is fake currency for real money so they're just printing money second it's like it's they're trying to like be like the good like try to frame themselves as this and it's like no like epic games is not a good epic games is out to benefit themselves they they like all the rhetoric around this being for the good of the ecosystem being good for for other 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 game developers and other developers is i mean it's true it's like if if apple and google were to change their rules it would possibly benefit other developers but that's not why epic is doing this it's realistically a long-term goal that will make them more money it's realistically about it and specifically the long-term goal of putting the epic game stores on iphones and android phones yeah that's the that's the long term plan don't get don't like get caught up in in epic's uh very very well designed and put together rhetoric uh that that is just just like a marketing like themselves as like the as like the uh, underdog and like the, no it's it's not really like that it's just that that's the way they're framing it and it's working right they have weaponized essentially their their the, the player base and the, the the fan base of, of Fortnite into into essentially uh, in a PR battle against Apple and Google right like that's the that's the angle that they are leveraging here is is their is the dominance like it's, it's basically like like a lot of people play Fortnite is is, is basically the pitch uh so that's that aside so just to put that aside it's like epic no there's no good party here it's all of these are just corporations fighting each other over uh, how much money they make so you know uh <laughs> yeah and and like from a technical side of it right it's sort of like do we do we want third-party app stores on ios and android hear me out they already exist but specifically so i guess the way i have to frame this is do i want anything that looks like the pc gaming hellscape on my phone and the answer to that question is no i don't want third-party anti-cheats i want none of that because guess what okay i get it windows gamers i get it you have many app stores but let's be let's let's have an honest conversation here the microsoft store is trash that yes however Let's not pretend that Steam is the only player worth you worth like if you have Steam installed, you get ninety eight, ninety five percent of all PC games that you can buy, right? And it's not as if there is some burgeoning competitive market, right? You know how Epic Store works? Epic Store, and there's been it's been documented before for any developers. They try and give you specific contracts to only be on Epic. And then if not, they will not let you go on Steam and Epic, right? So they basically try to bully their way, or I guess, actually, I'll use the word bully for smaller developers, right? Bribe. Bribe and cajole and bully, basically. It's it's just using their money. And and do I want any of that near an iPhone or Android phone? I kind of, like, if I ever open a game and I see it's easy cheat, like, prompt or notification pop up, I'm out. I'm out. Like, I'm, I do no one, no one wants easy anti-cheat on their phone, all right? (laughs) Uh, so i I, so the thing is like as 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 someone who plays uh who is primarily uh, a pc gamer 
uh, the realistically speaking, like the all there's much like there is also oh, there's Steam. There is let me just open up my start menu here. Uh, there's Steam. There's Battle.net, right? There is uh, Uplay. There is the Epic Epic Games Store. There is uh, Origin. And there's, of course, the uh, Microsoft Store, right? And there's, of course, like other, ga- other games have their own launchers. I know Bethesda has their own launcher, right? There is obviously games like Riot has like their own stuff, right? Like Riot is completely separate. So like, I don't, I don't think it's a problem. Like I like I don't really have a problem with these games being on different stores necessarily. Like it's not really like like something like it just means that I have another launcher that I have to keep installed if I want to play the game. But it's not just the store, right? It's also because this is this is gaming, right? And when you if you open it up, this is like because you can't have right. I guess the point I'm trying to make is you actually can't have the same sort of app security model we have today because it assumes there's a central authority for applications, right, on Android or but less so on Android, but more so on iOS, right? It assumes there's that central app authority. You take that out of the market, you get you have to open it up more towards like a Windows system. So, and in that case, like you have those app stores installed, but God knows how many anti-cheat different things you have, right, that are running on your system. Not at once, of course, right, but are just sitting there. And as we talked about multiple times, like, I don't, I don't, I don't feel comfortable having all of those on my system. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's, I guess I, that, that makes sense. I guess it's just like a reality of PC gaming that have accepted. Uh, it's just a thing, but yeah, there, I mean, anti-cheat software, uh, I mean, if I use Windows, that just means that I have software of all kinds, not like from all sorts of vendors that are some good, some bad, uh, some just just not very good at programming. Uh, but like, it's not really like, yeah, I can see the concern that uh, it will sort of like create this sort of open, like create this market where like the, the, the quality of the software is not guaranteed at a baseline level. Right, like you're not you're not guaranteed a certain level of baseline quality, but at the same time, like I I don't see that as a net negative for the overall ecosystem, right? Like I see it no, as I, I get it, I get it, but it's just sort of what about for consumers though, right? Because it's not as if so, and this is for. I guess I have to say I'm wearing a fake centrist hat right now. Like the words I'm saying are not what I truthfully believe, but it is. I think I think it is a credible argument in this specific case. So. The plethora of gaming marketplaces on PC and as well the only like monolithic singular app stores on mobile has not equated to prices going up yet, right? It is not as if games cost less, right? On PC, PS Steam, PS Steam has so many competitors, right? It is actually Steam PC prices just go down because Steam drives the sales all the time. It has never been affected by Origin or UPlay or other stores existing, right? And ditto for the phone marketplace. App store prices aren't high in general and the fact that they're only the app store has never made it so right that prices can go up and people get squished but i think that is because the market is defined elsewhere right like the games market is not defined by the store like it's weird i don't know how to phrase this properly but like the games have been like for example if a pc game is priced at 60 dollars, that's like sort of like the price that the market has sort of like stabilized that for a while right like since i don't know since the late 2000s or the early 90s uh like that's the, the the sixty dollars a game is uh, sixty US dollars rather is is the price of a AAA video game, and that doesn't matter on a PC. Like if you buy it from Steam, it's going to be sixty dollars. If you buy it from uh, another store for the Epic Game Store, it's also sixty dollars. At that point, you're just d- dictating who gets the cut, right? Like if is it Valve or is it is is it Epic, right? Like it's uh... piece piece. Like my point basically is more of that. There are two sides to this, right? There is the businesses being big companies that just want more money and then there's also like well how does it actually affect regular people and if you look at mobile app stores the only thing that affects regular people is that like truthfully on either android or ios it's just like the fact that you can't sign up sometimes in an app right for like netflix or some app types you can't use outside of that i don't think there's actually been much harm to like people like me you people using their phones developers different story of course but for the fact that you can't set up a hey account and hey like that's that hurts consumers but that's separate from like this entire point right it's separate from epic's entire point is that they just want to put that big game store on on their on these devices i mean let's go go back to the one thing that you mentioned about before we started is the is the uh 
streaming games thing, right? Like xCloud, Stadia, and uh, NVIDIA. Uh, like that is, a, that I think can be defined as a consumer harm, right? Like you are essentially making it so that this particular consumer good is no longer you can't sell it on their on their on that mark specific marketplace which by itself doesn't seem that bad it's like okay this is our marketplace you can't sell this specific kind of good but also at the same time you are like you're basically killing an entire business model because it might compete with your own right like i i i kind of see that as a consumer harm right like the oh no that one i would agree that one definitely is but it's sort of like that's not what epic's arguing for right because if epic get what they want xcloud still can't come to ios right i guess microsoft could put it in the epic game store for ios if they wanted to but <laughs> that's that's the future that that we can envision um but like i mean it's a future that imagines right now because the best version of, of xbox games pass you can get on android can only be purchased through the samsung store on note phones oh my god really is, is that the yep, only, is, yep the version in the google play store is limited in what you can do because of google's rules holy shit samsung, samsung is making the play here now samsung's like oh okay this is now now this is a chance now this is a chance to get 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 the market share for in our app store um they finally are like hell yeah this is <laughs> i mean samsung has the xbox integration and the discord integration on their phone <laughs> i mean they can get the gamers they, they have the they have the hardware they can get the gamers uh, but yeah like it's i think epic is just this is a long-term play so there's the lawsuits right like let's talk about the lawsuits for a bit i think the lawsuits are i think lawsuits are important to i mean you don't have to read the whole thing but there are certain points that are worth bringing up is it's like uh these these lawsuits are filed in in the in california in the northern district uh two two lawsuits specifically one uh, versus apple and one uh, one versus uh google uh, so for the Apple, let's talk about the Apple one first. And the Apple one is arguing like a few things, right? Apple, like the, like let's, I think if you step back a bit, the Apple, uh, argument is coming for a place of, uh, American antitrust, uh, legal precedent and law, right? Like, so it's talking about the, it's defining markets, right? So as in, 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 uh, I'm not, okay, so I'm going to preface this, but not, neither of us are, our legal experts that neither of us are uh, lawyers or like we're not experts in this field, but we're going to try to approach this from a sort of like a 10,000 foot view. So it's, it's kind of, it's kind of simplified, but like uh, I'll try to like explain this. It's like they are to like, you have to define which market is like when you have this kind of lawsuit, you have to define in America, you have to define which markets are being affected by a monopolistic, action or actions right like in this case uh the first market that the lawsuit defines is the is the ios uh app distribution market right uh so they are arguing that there are like apple has monopoly power in this market right like apple it has apple has performed anti-competitive conduct uh in the market so they talk about you know technical restrictions you know like like, for example, Apple prevents iOS users from downloading app stores or apps directly from websites. That's a technical restriction. Uh, there's like contractual restrictions, which is like Apple, like when you, when you sign a, when you sign up for a developer account on, with Apple, you have to agree to an agreement that basically means that you can't, like, you have to, like, developers only distribute their apps only through the app store, right? Like, that's, that's the contractual, uh, like, so those are the, those are, that's the iOS, like, app distribution market. The second market, is is more interesting, more directly related. It's more more what Epic I think is arguing for is the uh, iOS in app payment processing market. And Chosa has some. Uh, I think Chosa has a solution that would I think basically kill this lawsuit and would basically give Epic what they want. Right? Is is they are uh, Epic is arguing that because Apple holds monopoly power in this market that the that they take a cut of every purchase made through the uh through the through the through like through an app purchase system right uh and and like they they compare it to like other uh other payment processes like PayPal uh and like Stripe and Square and Braintree right like where it's like two 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 isn't like less than three percent cut right where Apple is more like uh what is like a thirty percent cut right. So it's, it's like they're arguing that this is, you know, like anti competitive and like this is like they're holding, like using their, uh, using the technical and contractual, uh, restrictions to like basically, 
hold monopoly on the on the on the payment market in in the in on on iOS devices. Right, right, and I think I think just before we talk about the Google one, I think it's important to know about the Apple one. That the first argument, the one where Apple has monopoly and app distribution on their phone. Apple actually said, yeah, like Apple agrees with that because, because Apple, yeah, the whole argument for Apple has always been like, well, we, we made the device, we wrote the software and we run the servers. So we, yeah, we have a say on what runs on it, which is kind of like, it, it's one of those arguments that like, it's just, it's not it, technically. Yeah, I get it. But really realistically, dude, like, no, <laughs> no. Yeah. Right. Like, it's like, uh, like it's like the, the the lawsuit argues like the like anti-competitive effects in the iOS app distribution market, uh, for but for Apple's restrictions would be competing app distributors such as Epic would could develop and offer iOS compatible app stores, thereby providing consumers and developers choice beyond Apple's own app store and injecting healthy competition into the market. Yeah, right. Well, and the the better argument that well, I guess not better. I'm not a lawyer, but I feel like an argument they could have made that I'm surprised they didn't is. Apple doesn't both behold themselves to the same rules that they claim it to be an equal playing space, right? Like that's that's not that's just not the angle that uh, I think you can't really take that angle. That's that's not legally like a angle you can take, right? Like because specifically this lawsuit uh, is taking a very specific act, uh, like a act of law into 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 its purview, right? It's the uh, the Sherman Act, right? Uh, and the and the California Cartwright Act, right? So the Sherman Act. Is is an antitrust law? Uh, I think it's a big. It's, the, it's one of the bigger ones. So it's the biggest, basically. Yeah. So so it's once again, we're not lawyers, and you should really listen to the Verge cast if you want a more specific legal explanation of this. But the gist of it, sort of, at least how it's how it works in the U.S. is there are different standards and different like bills and stuff that pertain to antitrust. The the route Epic's going through specifically is one that will work for digital goods because there are specific. Um, it branches a theory on antitrust and also laws that only pertain to physical goods. And by physical goods, we mean like railroads, of course, right? Like if you own the physical tracks and you're distributing the physical goods, but won't work for, well, it, the law specifically mentions like physical things and a Fortnite dance is not a physical good. So let's talk about So that's Sherman Act, right? So they get into this, like they, they get into counts of like violations of the Sherman Act. It's like Apple's conduct uh, violates section two of the Sherman Act, which prohibits uh, the code monopolization uh, of any part of the trade or commerce among the several states or with foreign nations, uh, foreign, foreign nations and code. Uh, so like, so that's 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 the angle we're going here, right? The, the iOS app. So they're saying the iOS app distribution market is a valid antitrust market. Apple holds monopoly power in the iOS app distribution market. Apple unlawfully maintains its monopoly power, right? And Apple conducts uh, sub, uh, conduct affects a substantial volume of interstate as well as foreign commerce. And Apple's conduct has substantial anti-competitive effects, right? And as an app distributor and as an app developer, Epic has been harmed by by this conduct, right? Like so, that's the uh that's the first count like and and like it's it's just like it keeps going on with the with the sherman act right like it's like the apple's conduct violates section one of the sherman act which is prohibits every contact uh, every contract combination in the form of trust or otherwise or conspiracy in restraint of trade or commerce among the several states or with foreign nations. well and i think the important part to notice it's like the the I, I guess this is more of like for you from like the Canadian perspective you, with with antitrust law and with a lot of laws in the U.S. nowadays in the year of our Lord 2020, how it's written doesn't matter. Like this is this, this is only this is Epic's interpretation or the, I guess the law firm representing Epic's interpretation of it. Yeah, it's of, of course. Yeah, and that's that's why I think you should mention this. Obviously, this is a this is a document filed by by their lawyers and filed from their obviously their perspective and their their interpretation of the Sherman Act and the their interpretation of of the actions of Apple and Google respectively right so obviously take that as a as like they are stating all of these as facts but that's not that's not the case right because it's are, the whole problem yeah, and the whole yeah. reason that those antitrust treaties we didn't talk about because it's like we don't really have the legal rage for it but the whole reason right it sort of happened broadly is we don't have rules right now that actually stop what google and apple are doing for being illegal epic right now is trying to twist an existing rule to be interpreted as such but there is no there is no current law that says if you run a digital platform 
platform and you are have monopoly power, but you never raise prices, it's illegal to it's, run. I, 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 obviously they don't because like these laws were written before digital goods were even a thing. Well, it's not they? digital goods. They're written before the theory that monopolies would not raise prices, right? Everything in the U.S. is or based in the U.S. right now because Europe used, Europe follows the old model of the U.S. Um, Howard's in the American history book. Please read all of them. They're great. But basically, the the I, the current theory of thinking, like which came around the time we broke up AT and T, and then they came kind of came back together, so we didn't only break them up. But is that if you also like at a basic level, if you have monopoly and you end up increasing prices that is when it becomes a problem just the fact you have monopoly in this country as of this moment is currently not a problem in the eyes of the law you have to raise prices just the existence is not illegal but the if you use that existence to then and uh, like do anti-competitive behavior like increasing prices then it becomes uh yeah like problem. the reason no one's gone after google or apple like in any tangible way outside of hearings and stuff because they're trying to write new rules is what google and apple devalue everything right software has become devalued like the web has become free so therefore in the eyes of current thinking on this right there is in fact no like there's like been no violation of any sort of law because we're not there's no consumer harm because we look at consumer harm as prices going so up. So not only is Epic trying to like like use it ex- like existing law to uh, in their favor, they're also trying to change legal doctrine and legal thinking on this topic in the United States, right? Like that's what they are trying to do, which is in 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 fairness is a very it seems like a tall task, right? Like it's not it doesn't seem like a task that would be it's this is gonna not gonna this is not something that is gonna end in the next year. And this is gonna take Oh no, this 10, is gonna go to the Supreme years. Court. This is, this is gonna this take is a ten Supreme years Court. or more uh to to be all all done and dusted, right? Like that's by the end of it we might have something. I don't know what what we will have, but uh, I mean, I don't know if we'll have a planet anymore by the time the ten years from now. Like, let's be honest. Like, I I can't I can't think out a couple months ahead. I can't think out ten years ahead. Fair. Uh, so the Google one is it's mostly the same, but there are like some. No, like- the Google one's way different. Hold up. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The Google one, the Google one. If you were to read it, it is basically take the Microsoft antitrust complaint and swap Google for Microsoft. Right. It is way different. Google's entire antitrust claim, or the one that um Epic's providing here, is they're essentially saying that. Google is contractually stopping people from having competing services on their devices, which is true with the um, Google Play Services Agreement, right? You can't have another app store that competes in certain ways, right? You can't have an Epic Game Store on um, a preloaded phone. They even have specific quotes of OnePlus and LG where they try to reach out and Google end up shooting it down to get it preloaded because they'd say they wouldn't give them the Google Play license. So that's way different. That is far Honestly, I think it's far. Yeah, I think it's far more like likely to be seen as an actual case because the one against Apple has a lot of interpretations that need to be changed, like in how yeah, Americans legally, like, see from it. Legal doctrine perspective, right? Like that would, that would like this. this like, but this one though, this one's like yeah, it's just what Microsoft did in the nineties, and we hit them for that, so we could probably hit Google. Yeah, for this. it's like uh, so Google dominates the merchant market for mobile operating systems. Uh, Google's monopoly power in the merchant market. Uh, Google, uh, like Google's. Uh, Monopoly power in the app distribution market, right? And then Google unlawfully acquired and maintains a monopoly, which is like, what What did they acquire? Are they talking about? Like, I'm not sure what they acquired. They purchased Android and they purchased, um, well, I guess more broadly, they Android didn't make, they bought the Android company from Dantra, right? But these make the uh, sidekicks, right? And then they also bought DoubleClick for their ad tech, right? So I guess what I say... And I, when they say acquire too, like these are once again, this is a legal reading, so it's a little different. But basically, from what I've read online and from hearing people talk about it, and based off of just like if we, because we, I'm not, I don't think it's worth it for either of us to go through the legal definition. But abstractly, basically, what they're saying is that Google has gone ahead and and could, gotten a monopoly of software right but now they're limiting it they're limiting what software can be on their platform in the same contractual way as microsoft did and therefore because it was seen as illegal when microsoft did it that same it, that it is illegal for google to do it as the courts have dictated before for other companies it's they're also arguing how uh google like it contractually makes it like discourages use of uh, other app stores right like that's also a thing that they are uh arguing for and like 
like uh, Apple, Apple's lo- like, I think I want to talk about like, let's, I mean, let's put, I, I don't know if there's more to talk that the Google one is not like that interesting, but like the Apple, uh, one of the arguments that the Apple's lawsuit makes is the, is the argument about lock-in difficulty, like trying to, the lock-in cost, right? Essentially the cost of essentially leaving the Apple system is too high, right? Like they, they argue that because Apple uses hardware to make sure that you are locked in. So it just, so as an example would be, if you have an iPhone, you have, uh, you have an Apple watch, you have, uh, you have a uh, pair of AirPods, AirPods Pro, you have a MacBook Pro, right? You are locked in, in in more ways than just uh, software, right? You're locked in, in in the hardware investment. You're locked in into the services investment, like the apps and other purchases that you you do on their stores also lock you in, right? Like so, they're arguing that uh, that creates this sort of like effect where like Apple is just like basically has this stranglehold on on their users basically so it's it's difficult which is true but i mean like okay so if i install the epic game store on a mac that means i'm not stuck to the pc i bought like that argument is kind of a double-edged sword there because yes you get lock-in but uh by the way tim if i buy all my games through the epic game store i'm stuck on a windows pc using it because they're currently you don't port your software to linux or have a valid i have a bunch of games on the mac version of your store so like i think i think it helps support their argument but also i think with regards to to this it's mostly these arguments are and once again like obviously i don't think lock it's good but i think if we're looking at it from the terms of how epic's what epic's complaint is i just think that the the iOS one for the fact of of how a current American like the current American legislative and sort of like legal system looks at these, and B because of the current laws we have isn't as good of an argument. And pro, I mean, don't get it all the way Supreme Court, but probably if currently unless laws change, won't be as compelling as the one against Google because Apple is doing monopolistic behavior, but. Just not because, you know, it's fucking Americans are horrible because how we, we think monopolies are only bad when it comes to raising prices and stuff. Right. Which is, yeah, which is, which is not, yeah, that's a very, that's a very narrow minded way of looking at, uh, looking at monopolies. So. Well, the argument would being that it changed to this because of AT&T right before it was more akin to how the EU has it right now, where it was like preventing a diverse yeah, marketplace. You, you follows like an older, yeah. Yeah, they did they, 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 they do like a consumer harm standard, I think that's that's what that's what they're doing. Well yeah, well it's like it's the standard is more of that if if you have um basically business other bit like competitions being harmed, then that may also be a case for like breakup. But in the in the American cases we're like, well, ATT is charging a lot for long distance lines, but there were other phone providers, but they were all just kind of in cahoots doing it, right? So you had the the standard change to go towards that. But I mean, this is sort of like once again an abridged history of it. I'm not a legal expert. Okay, so so that's a lot of legal shenanigans happening, here. and it's like this is this is going to be a topic uh, we we I suspect we are going to have to come back to uh, soon enough. Uh, uh, probably not this month or next month, but it's this is in progress. Uh, it's I like, mean, who's this is going to be? This is a ten year story. Like we'll keep tabs on it, but but if anything, yeah, like this whole entire epic mess is just like. I think we should wrap up. Like I think we have reached the what we can reasonably discuss uh, at this point. Like uh, so, we're gonna be linking the the two uh, lawsuit PDFs if you wanna you know read them and see what the arguments that uh, Epic uh, are ma- Epic is making. Um, obviously, there's a lot of other think pieces and uh, blog posts and tech bloggers and, uh, and all sorts of takes. Uh, I'm sure. Uh, so as always, uh, you can, you can find us on twoshadesofbrown.com. Uh, you can email us, uh, contact at twoshadesofbrown.com. Uh, no spam at Amazon, please. God, no. Uh, <laughs> and you can, and you can find me uh, on the Fediverse, which is the last bastion of the open web, apparently. 
Um, at, I mean, at, is it? I is mean, it? hold on. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's, just not get, let's not get into that. Another, that was just a joke. Surprise topic. The Fediverse is not open. Um, the Fediverse is a closed platform due to not technical limitations, but because of wealth and privilege limitations. If you have, a, if you have an issue with that, take at, at packacat at 10forward.social. Yeah. So you can, you can find me at packacat at 10forward.social. Uh, you can find me on my website, something Come. There are a bunch of links there to other things that I do. And Chosa, where do people find you on on the internet? You could find me doing my armchair Apple blogger legal analysis <laughs> on this whole Epic game situation <laughs> via my new algorithmically generated YouTube and TikTok page, um, Chose to Find Out website. And you could also find me online not talking about legal stuff that I don't know about um, on ch- Chitter or XYZ. I'm talking a little bit of shit, but it's just mostly because there have been a lot of podcasts or blogs I've been seeing that are trying to do armchair legal stuff. And I hope that we etch the line of not pretending like we're fake lawyers. And actually yeah, no, we, I, I specifically mentioned that we are not lawyers. We're not experts in this specific uh, law. Law is a big topic, but not specifically not in this kind of law as specifically this topic we just sort of abstracted it out and talk about more what we think is happening what what what, what the angles are and what what that is and you can you can decide for yourself if you want to read the lawsuits if you are a legal expert i don't know if, if any of you are there in in our audience i don't know if any of you are legal experts well i mean i wrote i wrote a term i wrote a code of conduct once for an open source project i'm pretty much a pretty much a lawyer <laughs> much a at lawyer this point <laughs> all right uh, so uh, as always uh, everyone uh, have a have a good time goodbye bye <laughs>